Because if you can understand and crystallize the intent behind the search, you can start to predict behavior. Yes. That's a whole separate thing that I'm not even going to try and get into now. This is where you have an incredible advantage. If you really understand your audience's intent, you can start to anticipate what they're going to think, what they're going to search for. James Schramko here from superfastbusiness.com and you're listening to my friend Ash Hoy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello there. This is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, with a quick message for you. If you'd like to grow your business profitably and fast, head over to getmetodone.com where you can learn more about the Productive Insights membership program, which is designed to help you grow your business profitably and fast. We help you get clear on your target audience and create an irresistible offer around the specific problem that you solve for your audience. Once we've established an offer that's a good fit for your audience, We then help you to scale your business using marketing automation, which means you spend less time working and more time enjoying the fruits of your labor. If you'd like to learn more, head over to getmetodone.com right now and take that first step towards your business success and your time freedom. I hope you enjoy this episode and get a ton of value from it. I look forward to seeing you at getmetodone.com. Welcome back to the Productive Insights Podcast. My name is Ash Roy. I'm the founder of ProductiveInsights.com and the host of the Productive Insights Podcast. And I'm delighted to have a very special guest today. And his name is Alexei Neoklios. And he is the founder of Fubi.co. He's also the author of this very cool book called Content Hacking, which I received when I attended the Superfast Business Live event recently in Sydney. And it is filled with awesome little tips and tricks. I highly recommend it. So Alexei is a master copywriter, and he's also elicited a response from Warren Buffett, a personal response. Alexei's view is that if you can say the right thing in the right way, you can achieve almost anything. So we'll be talking about that a bit later in this episode. I'm really excited to welcome Alexei to the podcast. So welcome, Alexei. Hi, Ash. Good morning. How are you? Good. Great to have you here, man. Thank you. So, Alexi, we've been talking about content hacking in the past, and you've talked about how you can create great quality content using the strategies explained in this book, which has very little fluff. It's very actionable stuff. Again, I highly recommend it. Can you tell us a little bit about the research elements that go into creating good quality content? Because really, when a prospective customer is consuming our content, they may not be paying with money, but they're paying with attention. And as Kevin Rogers and I discussed in one of our previous episodes, attention is a new currency. So could you tell us where do you go to research your audience and really understand the problem they're trying to solve? Yeah, so research is critical. It's the foundation to the entire structure, you could say. I was doing a speech the other day for a company and a lady asked me a very astute question. And the context was around thinking of content ideas. And I said to the the audience, I said, coming up with great content ideas is the easiest thing in the world. It's in fact harder to not come up with good content ideas than it is to come up with great content ideas. 
Yeah. And then she asked me, why is that? And I've actually never really thought about it in depth. But then I thought about it on the spot and I said, you know what it is? I think it's because we're so self-absorbed. We're thinking about ourselves. Yes. Our own needs, our own company, our own whatever, and not thinking about the audience. Mm -hmm. If you become truly obsessed with your audience, then coming up with content ideas is very easy. Yes. I just want to preface it with that. But of course, that's not concrete advice on how to do it. So what I will tell you is how we do it with my company. We've got dozens of writers. Previous to that, you know, for 16 or so years, I was a direct response copywriter. And many times I had to produce copy for audiences I'd never worked in before. Yeah. So I had to learn quickly what are the hot buttons of an audience? What is a, an audience's sophistication, i.e., how much other stuff have they seen related to our content, our products, and so forth? Mm-hmm. So if it's okay with you, let, let me show you some actionable stuff. As yes, to, please. How, yeah, okay. I'm going to do a screen share mm-hmm. and show you some examples. So Now, um, if you're listening to this, sorry to interrupt you, Alexi, but if you're listening to this on the Productive Insights podcast on iTunes, I highly recommend heading over to our YouTube channel, which will have all the stuff shown to you. Alexi is sharing a screen and we'll be publishing all this stuff on the YouTube channel. So please go ahead, Alexi. Okay. So what you see on the screen here is a sales letter that I wrote. I wrote this probably six, maybe seven years ago, and this is still making money for our clients or for the client. When I wrote this, so a bit of background, the product is a vision supplement. It helps your eyes and and so forth. At the time, I knew nothing about the audience and the market, and I knew Mm -hmm. nothing about the ingredients. I was as clean, as fresh, and as newbie as you could possibly imagine, okay? (laughs) So the technique that I use to understand the market's hot buttons and, and so on is the most powerful technique that I've got. Okay. Okay. It was taught by me, by my main copywriting mentor, who actually helped me with this project. And in my opinion, is the top living freelance copywriter today, has been paid more than one time a million dollars plus for one sales letter. Okay. Wow. And it was taught by him buys probably the second or third greatest living copywriter. So we're talking quite an impressive lineage in terms of, you know, understanding the value of this technique. Paris Lampropoulos was is my mentor. Oh, yes. Yes, I've heard of him. Yes. And his mentor was Clayton Makepeace. Okay, cool. So you're talking grandmaster to grandmaster to, you call me a master before, let's leave it at that. So, <laughs> but these guys truly work on water. I maybe can maybe skim on water for a moment, right? So <laughs> let's go through the technique, okay? Yeah. I'll tell you the technique in the context of a story, and then we'll do the principle. Sure. At the time, my mother-in-law, who I dearly loved, was having troubles with her eyes. Right. Okay? It was just a bit of a coincidental timing that I turned into an opportunity. And I thought, perfect. I'm going to lob over to my mother-in-law's house, and I'm going to sit down and interview her. Yeah. So I sat down with mum, and I said, mum, what's it like to have blurry vision? What's it like for to have eye strain? Walk mm-hmm. me through your day. And I just sat there like listening, listening, listening. I took notes. I recorded the conversation. It was face-to-face at the time. And I just kept digging and digging and digging and digging. Right. Okay. And then from there, I was able to glean more than enough market research to really get an insight into the audience. Mm-hmm. And when I say market research, I mean that was 95% of my research for this piece. And it's a long piece. Yes. In terms of understanding the audience, Mm -hmm. was talking to my mother-in-law. Okay. Okay? Sounds simple. 
but it is incredibly impacting because here's part two. When I wrote this sales letter, guess who I held in mind? Your mother-in-law. My mother-in-law. Exactly. I didn't think to myself, I better sell this. I didn't think to myself, the audience, this abstract notion of this audience. All I did was write a personal, empathic, compassionate letter to my mother-in-law. All I held in mind is, what do I need to put in this thing to get my mother-in-law to buy this product? Keeping Mm. in mind, this product at the time had a breakthrough formulation. Yeah. Cutting edge. One of a kind. I when I did the research into the supplements, yes. and that was just hardcore research digging into medical studies and so forth. Yeah, PubMed and the like. I sold myself on this product. Uh-huh. Okay, so I believed in this product. That's tremendously important because if I'm going to persuade, if I'm going to truly believe that I want my mother-in-law, who by the way takes this product now, if I want my mother-in-law to buy this product, I need to believe in it because I care for her. Yes. There was belief in the product and then a one-on-one communication mechanism, i.e. a letter that I wrote holding my mother-in-law in mind. Okay. Okay? That is the most powerful technique. That is the technique that Clayton taught to Paris. Yes. And that is the technique that Paris taught to me. Can I say a few things about this? Because it's hit home a couple of very valuable points for me. I've recently launched a membership site. And it's still in beta phase, but I'm doing a lot of face-to-face calls for a ridiculously low monthly fee. It's only 99 US dollars a month. And when I onboard a new member, I'm doing at least two, three, maybe four face-to-face calls in the first month. That actually is gold for me because I'm getting such a deep understanding of my audience. Now, could I achieve the same results with survey software like SurveyMonkey or Google Forms? Absolutely not. Because these face-to-face calls are actually face-to-face on Skype or Zoom. And I can see nuances of their facial expressions. I can get a deep understanding of how that person feels about their problem, about their challenge. And I'm able to create far better quality content and far better quality products because I can empathize a lot better. And to me, empathy is sadly missing quite a bit these days in marketing. And I think true marketers and true copywriters can deeply empathize with their audience. And that means resonating with or sitting down with one individual person and talking to that person and then writing to that one person or creating content for that one person. See, I had a bit of a hidden advantage with this particular piece because I wasn't writing just to one person that I understood. I was writing for one person that I loved. Yes. And right. we don't often get that luxury when we're creating content for our audiences. I mean, we don't, yes. we don't usually, not, not to the same depth, love sure. our audience, right? So, yeah. uh, but it's a critical insight because whether to what degree you believe about metaphysics and nonlinear dynamics and so forth, I mean, the bottom line is I wrote this letter to my mother-in-law who I loved, to what degree that came out in this messaging, Yes, I, I don't know. Well, Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive always said, well, Jobs definitely believed that the love that he put into the products was somehow communicated to the customers. Now, whether that happened or not, I don't know either, but the intention was definitely there. I think we can agree, worst case, you're no worse off than not exactly. loving. Worst case. Spot on. So, And Spot there might on. be some upsides, possibly, yeah? Yeah. And you walk away feeling nicer about the whole thing if you're doing it with that intention, right? 
There's no doubt about it. So there's the, the, the number one technique I've got in terms of understanding the audience. Now, I'll show you some other little hacks that, mm-hmm. that also are quite useful. I'm inside SEM Rush, mm-hmm. which is paid software. I think we're paid 100 bucks a month or something like that. Not, yep. not a lot of money. They've got a feature in there called Topic Research mm-hmm. that is uh, quite handy. And you'll see uh, I've typed in the term property investing yeah. and just done the United States. Mm-hmm. And what it comes back is a whole bunch of related, you know, property investing in the stock market, when's a good time to invest in property, you know, property investing in mutual funds and so forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what SEM Rush has is a pretty handy feature is the following. You drop down one of these little buttons here and the card expands. And what you start to get yeah. are the questions people are typing into oh, Google. Cool. Okay. So... Now, again, they're typing it into Google. If you don't want to spend 100 bucks a month, you can dig this stuff up by manually doing some search, you know, looking at the people may also ask feature in Google. You can jump into answer the public and so forth. Yes. This is not proprietary to SEM Rush. Right. I like it because they've given it to me quickly and easily and I can scroll through uh-huh. all of these questions. And, and this so- is on the $99 plan. This is, you don't need to go to the Guru plan or one of the higher ones. No. Oh, cool. Nice. I'll check it out. I have the plan, so. Yeah. And you can look how many questions are popping up just for that one card. Boatloads. Boatloads. Some of them are relevant. Some of them are not. I mean, like, is it Uh a good time to buy real estate in Italy? Right. So, I mean, I can't imagine too many are searching that compared to what is the best time to invest in real estate. Right. Right. Okay. They could do better with this by dimensionalizing search volume and giving us a bit more insight as to... How many people are interested in a certain topic? Put that mm-hmm. to the side. Handy tool still. Now, having said that, you can see they do give volume figures for the general relationship. Yeah. They just don't do it for the specifics of the question. Gotcha. Okay. How we use this is we start to overlay data from SEM Rush with what did we discover from speaking to the audience? Okay. Okay. So now we imagine a Venn diagram that has multiple circles. We start to overlay this incredible, most important technique, number one, mm-hmm. with what the heck is SEM Rush telling us? Where is the yep. crossover yep. between those two data points? And oh, then yes. third, so this is a very easy technique I've just shown you. And the third, a little bit more complicated, uh, still very doable, is BuzzSumo. Now, yep. you heard me talk about this at James's event the other month. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, we're the only ones that have come up with this, but who knows? I mean, yeah. I certainly no one taught me this, so I, we came up with this ourselves in terms of original thought. It's not that complicated, really easy. So BuzzSumo, for those that are watching and listening that don't know what it is, uh, you type in any keyword, in this example, chocolate, and it will spit back the most viral articles and content on yeah. that particular keyword. Right? Very, very handy. Yes. Most companies will, will, or most people, content creators will look at this and say, okay, so this is the most viral content piece on that keyword. Let's create our own version of this particular article. Not a bad <laughs> idea, not a great idea. A much better ways to use BuzzSumo and look at what themes arise from the most viral pieces. Mm-hmm. And so what I see here that's very obvious is we've got one here about Valentine's Day. We've got a second one about that bike bags looks like an announcement of some sort something to do with ice cream yeah then we have a recipe mm-hmm. that relates to keto okay so there's one then we've got a study relating 
to the health benefits of chocolate. Then we've got another study relating to the health benefits of chocolate that looks like the same one. Okay, that's the same one. Okay, the rest of recipes. So I start to look at this and think to myself instantly, what mm -hmm. leaps out in terms of the intention of yes. somebody typing in chocolate into Google? Uh -huh. And what starts to pop up for me instantly are the health benefits of chocolate. Yep. You can see that by, like, so this, these two posts here. Mm -hmm. What also jumps out to me are recipes. Right. You've got there, there. And then maybe they're related, possibly. I have to dig into another look. Okay, that's about it. I don't go too far because I like to see the most viral ones that pop up. Yep. But I'm searching for the intent. Yes. And so I would have minimum health benefits of chocolate. Number two, the chocolate recipes. Now, I would be thinking in terms of a third circle for the Venn diagram. I'd be overlaying the data from BuzzSumo with what SEM Rush showed us. Uh -huh. with what our audience told us one-on-one. -on -one. And yep. I'm looking for the white-hot center that overlays those three data points. Okay. That's awesome. I'm just taking notes here because this is so awesome. So a couple of questions. I really love what you're saying about understanding the intent of the searcher. So when you first explained it at Superfast Business Live, James's event, I thought you were saying you're looking for trends, but the word you just used then, which was searcher intent, just flicked a switch in my brain and I realized, absolutely. And in fact, I remember Rand Fishkin, who's been on this podcast three times, he keeps talking about that. Understand the searcher intent, because that's what Google is trying to also solve. So that's very helpful. Thank you. Now, my first question is, BuzzSumo, the one you showed me, is that the free version or is that the paid version of the software? We pay for it because we use it so much. I think uh -huh. you can still get this data from a free version, but it's limited in terms of how many searches I think you can That's do. That's right. I think you can do one or two because I use buzzsumo.com as well, but I believe you can do one or two or maybe three searches or whatever in a day, and then it cuts off. I think maybe it shows you a year's worth of trends or whatever, but not beyond that. But it's still a very valuable tool, even if you do it for free. And then there's other tools like Answer the Public and so on. To me, the best possible thing you can do really is understand your audience face-to-face, -face. but this technique of overlaying the face-to-face, -face, the one-on-one -on -one research with BuzzSumo and then with SEM Rush is gold. Well, let me show you. I should have finished off with an example of how we tie all this together, and it's pretty powerful. So I can show this because we've written all these articles now. Uh, this is from uh, Sam Cawthorn at the Speakers Institute. We do Sam's content. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of speaking for Sam too. When you get really clear on the intent of your audience, powerful stuff can happen. So in Sam's case, we identified a few content themes. That's what we call when we identify intent, we translate those to content themes. Okay. SEO people could think of them as root keywords potentially. I like to go a bit deeper in my mind as to how I think about these. But once you identify the intent and you button down a theme, mm -hmm. the theme then can produce loads of specific topics related to the theme. So now you'll see all these topics we can come up with very, very quickly by yeah. identifying a core theme. And so if we're talking about understanding what the market wants, yeah. talking about getting organized with a content plan. So when Sam first signed up with us, we did this at the beginning. So mm -hmm. we do amongst other pieces, we do like 120 pieces a month for Sam, wow. including four long form articles. So when Sam first signed on, 
we did all this work and then sent it to him to get approval. And you'll see all the yeses in this column here. Yes. Client approved. This is Sam saying yes. And then in one go, we had eight months worth of content, specific content ideas mapped out because we do four articles a month and there's about 35 or so, 34 or so article topics. So about eight months worth of ideas ready to go. This is powerful as heck. And you see a lot of these topics are quite awesome. They're quite attention getting. So that's how all this comes together. Wow. Now I have another question for you, Alexi. I had a brief exchange with Seth Godin back in November last year. And, you know, he'd written a blog post about how you should write every day. And I responded to that by saying, well, you know, I'm not going to write every day because I don't have the time to write 2000 word articles, which Neil Patel believes is the minimum length of article for it to have authority. Anyway, Seth replied and said, just begin. So I just began and I wrote every day for the month of November. My traffic went up fivefold. Great. However, the average time on site dropped quite dramatically. So I looked into the Google Analytics data and I found a lot of it was probably bots because the time on site dropped to like seven seconds on average, which is you might as well not have the traffic. So my question is, how long does the article piece need to be for it to attract human eyes rather than bots, and for it to deliver some kind of a result, some kind of a payoff to the person who's coming to the site and satisfying the searcher intent? Yeah, that's a very good question. It's actually a pretty sophisticated question. Okay, so I'm going to need to spend a few minutes explaining this. Is that cool? No problem. Yeah, absolutely. All All right. So first and foremost, let me tell you how we decide that. So let's go back to my little screen sharing. So if we go back to here, yeah, look how long this is. Right. It goes on and on. So you produce four of these for one client every month? No, this is, uh, we'll get to what we talk about for the clients. I just want to show you this. So this is a piece of sales copy that I wrote six, seven years ago. Gotcha. Yeah. To sell off the page. This is not a piece of content like an article. Uh This is a sales page. Okay. Mm -hmm. What I wanted to show you though is the length of it. Right. It's, It's like 12 to 14 pages as I recall. Yes. And what I hear all the time is no one's going to read that. Too long. Right. Yeah. That's crap. Yeah. Uh, if you are hitting a hot button that the audience wants, where yes. you are solving a problem that they really want a solution to, correct? you need to talk about your length needs to be as long as it needs to be to address every issue, question, objection they may have Yes, that could stop them from taking the next step. Yes. You got that? Yes, absolutely. Now, this is subjective. Well, this technique here that I'll show you now, this is subjective. This is all about understanding your audience. Mm -hmm. This piece is stripped of fat. You may look at this and say, no, it's still too long. I bet you could lose this or this or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you now, this is a lean, mean fighting machine. This has gone through 11 revisions. My goodness. Okay. 11. And we still ended up on 12 to 14 pages. This was subjective, though, knowing the market as we did after doing all the research. Okay. Okay. So answer number one is subjective and Mm -hmm. having a first-person understanding of what your market needs to know, what their objections are, what their questions are that would stop them from taking the next step. And in this case, it was buy the product. Got that? Yes, got it. All right. Now, let's have some data tools here. There's some good stuff here. BuzzSumo have a handy feature. It's pretty good. It's, again, imagine a Venn diagram. 
Mm-hmm. It's another data point. It's not the exclusive data point though, but it's handy. Gotcha. We will go into Buzzsumo and what it spits back is something quite useful. It will spit back the following. So it's analyzed 190,000 articles and it will spit back amongst other things. I don't want to get too, too far into this other stuff. Uh, types of articles that are the most viral. Mm-hmm. And you'll see how to, a listicle, a what post or whatever. In this case, it's a general article. That's interesting. That's not that common. But then as we scroll, you'll see this. It's showing the content length broken up by the most engaged. Right. So you'll see here on Facebook, because uh, of the blue, yes. three to 10,000 words is the most, in that range, it's a big range, yes. is the most viral length for the keyword search term chocolate. You can see long form is the way to go if you talk about chocolate, basically. Yes. Okay, so you can do this for almost any keyword search term. And the fact there's 190,000 of them, mm-hmm. articles analyzed, that's a huge sample size. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, statistically, you only need 40 for it to be meaningful, but 190,000 is pretty awesome. You can rely on that. Okay, so yeah. the answer is going to be longer is going to be better yeah. than for this keyword search term. For me, minimum I would be looking at would be 2,000 words plus for something like this. Minimum. Right, right. Clients would probably fight us on that, to be honest, because they're not as not as knowledgeable about this. So yes. If I said to clients, you need a 10,000-word article for chocolate, 99 out of 100 would disagree with me, even yes. in the face of this evidence. Okay? But, you know, you only need to look at Brian Dean's skyscraper technique, which he implements himself on his website, which is backlinko.com. And he does those sorts of articles and he only does maybe one every two or three months i think but they rank like crazy they are very very well researched and very sought after they're like master classes each of those articles yeah nil patel's the same he's doing he explains every single thing that's imaginable right right yeah he was actually the very first guest on this productive insights podcast he was in the first episode very cool very cool um, so third data point so i've explained the subjective one per the vision supplement piece yeah. I've explained the little tool in Buzzsumo. So imagine, if you like, a third circle in our little Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. I'm inside SEO content template in SEMrush. Yeah. And they've got a handy tool that's putting the keyword term. In this case, I think it was property investing is what I put in. And you'll see down the bottom here, text length. Aha, right. Okay. 1,001 words. Wow. Okay. And so this is based on SEMrush analyzing the key competitors. You'll see them down here the key competitors that rank in the US for the term property investing. Mm -hmm. And based on that, they're suggesting a minimum thousand words. So if you're going to try and outrank them, that's how long it needs to be. Here's what I do. I instantly double that amount. Wow. That's like their minimum suggestion. Right. I double it. If we were writing an article for this in the States, I'd be suggesting minimum 2,000 words. Okay. So this is how we start to decide length of articles is that a good answer for you yeah that's a phenomenal answer man that's very practical and that's very alexi of you (laughs) (laughs) that's just like your book very practical and very actionable so thank you for that okay so alexi let's talk about the biggest obstacles you've seen people face when it comes to doing research i mean we both agree just from the work we've done together just in the last half an hour that it can be a little bit dry and it can be a little bit tedious Maybe not so sexy, but hey, this is where you really make a difference. This is where you really get to understand who you're helping so you can create great quality content and great quality products. And by the way, I say content as a product. 
It's just that they're paying with attention instead of money. What are the biggest obstacles you've seen people face and how does one get over it when it comes to doing great quality research? Yeah, so it's the mistaken illusion that it takes too long. Here's the thing. It saves a truckload of time down the line if you do the heavy lifting of the research in the beginning and get very organized, then the time you save down the line is immeasurable. So it's a mistaken illusion that... Time, money, you, we could list all the various yeah. ways that you cost yourselves by. We cost ourselves by not doing quality content. Correct. Okay? So it's a mistaken illusion that it takes too much time. But here's the thing. It's not true. In fact, people uh, end up spending more wasted time by not doing the research in the beginning. Case Correct. in point. Sam signed on. We did all this research and they came up with like heaps of research in the beginning. Yeah. But then, because we like to be a little bit smart, we did all these topics and then had eight months worth of ideas ready to go. We don't need to research again for eight months. Think about that. The plan is already penciled out. We know where we're heading for eight freaking months. Each article, we can come up with 30 to 40 related pieces. In other words, one article can give us four emails, four videos, dozens of social posts it could be the subject of right it could be the subject of a podcast who knows i mean <laughs> you know this is what we do when we do the heavy lifting of the research in the beginning yes nobody wants to do the research it feels like we're actually not producing anything it feels like there's, where's the output there's no discernible output i promise you the output's there you're just not seeing it but if you get organized and do what we do for example then when this output really hits, it's like, oh my God, what a relief. You know, Alexi, inside my membership, one of the first things I get my members to do is this course on productivity. It's called the Premium Productivity Course. And I talk about the Eisenhower Matrix, the one that was appropriated by Stephen Covey, the four quadrants, you know. And research is that stuff that falls into quadrant two, the stuff that is important, but not apparently urgent. But if you ignore it for long enough, you will end up in a crisis situation. It will cost you a lot more. It'll cost you a lot to not do research. It's just like, you know, not exercising and not eating healthy will eventually lead to a heart attack and or a stroke. The exercising and the healthy eating is important, but doesn't have an urgency to it. Eating chips and, you know, laying about watching TV feels urgent. There's an immediacy to that. But there is a cost that comes with it. And research is similar. You don't do the research because you feel like, oh, it's, I'm not doing anything meaningful. It feels like pointless work. So you end up doing busy work, like checking your Facebook or answering SMS messages or just chatting to people on, on the phone, thinking you're doing work, but you're not. You're actually really moving the needle in your business. If you spend the time doing the research, get in the trenches, get your hands dirty, understand who you're helping how you can help them, what problem you're solving, and then the work will pay for itself in multiples. We're both on the same page here. I explain this to groups and I don't know how many people actually listen to me. (laughs) I suspect it's a small percentage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our company, I say to my team almost every day, I want this business to be a stress-free business. I do not want us to ever be reacting. So our entire system Yes. From beginning to end yes. is about being organized and proactive. And one piece of evidence of how we do that, and there's so many much more I can show you, is doing these topics at the beginning so we know what the content plan is going to look like down the line. Look, I'll tell you something, Ash. 
Yeah. There's more to this that you're probably not seeing just yet because I have to explain it. If you look at all of these topics, not one of them is entering a new cycle. Now, entering new cycles is extraordinarily powerful. You can get a huge amount of traffic. You can get conversions can skyrocket. You name it. Very powerful. Yeah. We don't do it because we want the content to be evergreen. So every single one of these for Sam should be able to pay him for months and months and months and months into the future. Right. If we only did new cycle content for Sam or if part of it was new cycle, yeah. he might get a spurt of traffic, yeah. but then it spikes and then dies. We want our stuff to be enduring. And so, yeah. and it also has the added benefit for us to be able to write 30 or 40 topics that will be distributed over the next many months. And we don't have to worry that any of this stuff will date. Right. It's evergreen. Gotcha. It's evergreen. Yeah. It's about being organized. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So, man, it hasn't been a, an entertaining interview. There haven't been a lot of stories and so on. And I'm sure we'll do that in the future. But there has been so much actionable content. So I really want to sum it up, particularly for the people who are listening. And once again, I'll reiterate, if you have heard this and you want to check out what Alexi is sharing, I highly recommend checking out the episode on our YouTube channel, which you can access at youtube.com forward slash Productive Insights. Alexi has shared his screen and he's been so generous with the information he shared. It would be a travesty if you didn't go and check it out and use this information. So I'm going to do a quick sum up, Alexi, in terms of action steps and how to turn this into an actionable framework for our listeners. And then maybe you can correct me if I've missed something. So we started off by talking about how one of the biggest challenges is that we tend to be quite self-absorbed as business owners, content creators. And if we turn our attention to the customer and make it all about the customer, it makes the whole process of content creation and offer creation a lot easier. When we can empathize better with our audience, our customers, when we dig deeper and deeper and try and understand the core problem and then understand the implications of that problem and keep going further and further in, we are able to pick up certain nuances of the problem that our customer or prospect is trying to solve and then create copy and or offers around that. And you use the example of your mother-in-law, who you love very much, and who you wanted to help with this eye condition. So having a certain element of positivity around your audience, genuinely caring for your audience and having a certain sense of love and trying to infuse that sense of love into your product or your content in some way probably gets communicated in your opinion and mine and apparently in Steve Jobs's too. One thing's for sure, it, it certainly won't hurt if you do it. So that's definitely a nice way to approach the situation. Then we talked about the more practical and technical aspects, which is to go into SEM Rush and do research using the SEM Rush tool, which you can use to some extent for free, but I think we recommend the paid version for $99 a month, where you can look at what's trending and all that can be looked at on the screen share. I can't remember everything you shared there, but that's step one. Step two, go to buzzsumo.com and look for trends. Now, the key here is you don't just look for trending words, you're looking for trends in terms of search intent, in terms of the intent of your audience and the problem they're trying to solve. You're looking for what problem they're trying to solve and what is implied in those articles 
the headlines of which you're seeing that come up in BuzzSumo. The example that we used was around chocolate. You did a search for chocolate in BuzzSumo, but then the themes that came out was people want to know what the health benefits of chocolate are and they want to know chocolate recipes. So that was the intent, even though the word was chocolate. That's important. And then the third step is you kind of create a Venn diagram where you have the findings from your BuzzSumo, you have the findings from your SEM rush and the findings from your one-to-one research, and you look for the commonality between the three, and that becomes your sweet spot. And that's where you really focus on in terms of creating content. So it's not one tool, it's a combination of three or more tools, and you look for the common denominator between those, and that nuanced content is best positioned to potentially go viral. Correcto mundo, you nailed it. (laughs) Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, apart from just stressing the importance of intent. Intent rules the game. And that's really the central focus here is not asking what do people, what are people searching per se, but understanding the the intent behind the search. Because if you can understand and crystallize the intent behind the search, you can start to predict behavior. Yes. It's a whole separate thing that I'm not even going to try and get into now. This is where you have an incredible advantage. If you really understand your audience's intent, you can start to anticipate what they're going to think, what they're going to search for, and that you can just rule the game there totally. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like when, and I apologize for using Apple as an analogy all the time, but I really believe in their approach to marketing. It's the equivalent of jobs coming up with the idea of a thousand songs in your pocket when the rest of the market was talking about megabits and megabytes or whatever in terms of MP3 players, which the audience just couldn't relate to. But everyone can relate to a thousand songs in my pocket. And that solves my problem, which is I want music and I want to be able to walk around with it in my pocket. So it's so personalized. The word thousand songs in your pocket is a lot more relatable than 56 megabits of space. So that nuance is where I think we start to move the needle. So Alexi, man, thank you for sharing this and being so generous. I really appreciate it. And I would love to have you back on one day and we can talk a bit more about case studies and stories about people you've worked with. Two questions. How does someone get their hands on this bad boy, content hacking this book? And how do people find out more about you if they want to work with you? Okay, so two ways. Go to amazon.com and the Kindle version is on Amazon right now. We're still in the process of getting a few more thousand copies printed of the physical book okay. after we ran out. But the Kindle is the Kindle version's on Amazon. So that's the easiest way. And to find out more about our services, who we are, and all that sort of stuff, just go to fubi.co. That's F U B B I.co. Yep. And uh, you'll see a submission form on the site. Just lob a little submission through the website, mention Ash's name so we know where you came from and we can go into some more detail around how we can potentially help you. But let me save you all a bit of time. Where we get the best results, frankly, are companies that tend to meet a certain profile. Uh, number one, they're already producing content of some kinds, uh-huh. not absolutely fresh and new and so forth. Number two, ideally you're running some ads that is very helpful or you've got some traffic from say Google Organic or whatever it may be Again, some momentum. And number three, ideally, you're using at least one sales and marketing funnel, opt-in page, whatever it may be, nothing too over the top, 
you've got some momentum. If you're absolutely new to business, green, 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 we're a bit early to be working with you. You've probably got some other stuff to organize. But if you've got some momentum, we could do some incredible things. And we're especially strong on service businesses. We're especially strong on coaching, consultants, and the like. And we're especially strong on, on SaaS as well and e-commerce companies that have a, an audience with a unified interest, i.e. Uh, we have a company that, one of the biggest companies here in, in Australia, they sell camping supplies. So their audience of, you know, very interested in bushwalking and camping and overlanding, creating content for them is very, very easy for us. Okay. So you heard the man. You want to find out more about Alexi, go to fubi.co. That's F-U-B-B-I.co. You will also be able to access all the links via the Productive Insights podcast episode, which will be published on the Productive Insights website at productiveinsights.com. Alexi just proved his point by explaining in a fair amount of detail exactly who his target client is. And I would encourage you to think a little bit more about who your target client is. And if you want some help with that, by all means, head over to the Productive Insights membership program and you can sign up at getmetodone.com or go to the Productive Insights website and you'll see at the top it says join membership. You can click on there. And I really look forward to sharing more content with you just like this and look forward to maybe having Alexi back on one day if he'd like to come back. I would love to. Done. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Alexi, and I look forward to having you back on soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 